0: Part 4. You're really going to let him go? Asked Simon, leaning back in his chair and looking up at Gabrielle. He absentmindedly rubbed at his thighs, where he could still feel the burn of her nails through his pants. Of course not, said Gabrielle. We need him. So, said Simon, unsure of himself, then why'd you let him go? Gabrielle stepped back, sat down, crossed her legs. Simon tried to see if she was wearing panties, failed to penetrate the darkness between her thighs. He needs space, a little time to feel like a man, strong, independent, but then he'll begin to feel alone. She tossed her head back, clearing her face of a few errant strands of hair. Alone, Simon spoke simply to prompt her, watched. Yes, poor Joshua, he can't bear the thought of what we do can't carry it alone. He's too weak, too soft. The thought of all those little cameras with their green lights and all those graves will torment him make him miserable. He needs us. He needs me to share that guilt, to take it from him. So what? You're going to talk to him later? Gabrielle smiled. Oh yes, I'll talk to him. I'll give him an hour. That should be about all he can take. Simon shrugged. Alright, whatever. He turned around to check his monitors. Several messages were flashing in his inbox. He scanned each one quickly and turned. The world turned, spun, ever-moving, evolving, and growing. A friend arrested in Holland for running an illegal pornography site. A harassment project was underway to drive a family to despair just for the hell of it. A new iteration of his xenofect virus awaiting his inspection, courtesy of friends from a black hat forum. Three new recordings from a university student's webcam for him to review, taken without her knowledge as she moved around her room. A new hentai game straight from the source, coded and translated and awaiting his enjoyment. Finances to review, penny stocks to sell, a legion of xenofected computers to nurture and deploy. So much to do. So many lives to ruin and so precious little time. Tomorrow night, then. Be ready said Gabrielle, and he turned to stare at her, blanking for a moment on what she was talking about. What? Oh, right. Listen, I transferred your share this morning to your account. Same for Joshua. Profits are up. We're going to need to talk about how much we want to grow Coffin Cam. The more people, the greater the risk. Gabrielle stood, took up her purse. One thing at a time. Focus on tomorrow night. What we film could make Coffin Cam a thing of the past, Simon shrugged. All right, whatever, turned again to his monitors as Gabrielle let herself out. Joshua sat at his workstation, hands cradled in his lap, staring through the file before him, staring into the void. The building around him seemed as real as a paper shell, his life a collection of lies and fantasies. Who was he, sitting here alone in this frozen room with only the dead for company? Misery hung about him like a river fog, draped over his shoulders like a cape of lead. He hadn't moved in minutes, hadn't even blinked. Nobody but the dead for company. The dead and fantasies of lust, of life, of reaching out and touching the raw, quickening pulse of the world. He snorted with disgust, moving at last. The quickening pulse of the world. How had he considered helping Gabrielle with her project to be something brave, bold? An image flashed through his mind of her sitting in the back row of a viewing dressed in black but with perhaps too short a skirt, sunglasses large enough to make her face look insectile. How she had passed by the open casket, gazed down at the sunken features of the man with a look wholly inappropriate for the occasion. The wicked smile she had hooked him with when she turned to leave. How his heart had pounded at the sight of her. Joshua groaned and leaned forward, resting his forehead on his fists, closed his eyes. How had it gone from that moment, that smile, to dozens of coffins moldering six feet underground, each with its own field of green light and small staring camera. How had it gone from puerile dreams of bringing Gabrielle home to his apartment for dinner to meeting Simon and listening to her fuck over the phone, unabashed and uncaring? A harsh buzzing jolted him from his reverie, and he started upright, turning to stare at the small television that was divided into four screens, one showing the front entrance. Gabrielle looking up at the camera, face calm, serious, waiting. His breath caught. She had come to convince him, change his mind. He should refuse to admit her, turn her away, not listen to her words. Joshua stood. He couldn't let her in. Not here, alone. He couldn't trust himself. She would work him, bend him to her will. Somehow, she would change his mind. He walked over to the television. She continued to look up at the camera with calm patience, looking up and at him, meeting his gaze blindly but knowingly. Could he afford to turn her away? Could he live with himself if he hid? Doesn't he owe it to himself, to his dignity, to confront her one last time and say no? How weak was he that he couldn't even do that? Agony tore through him. Or were those simply excuses to allow her inside, to be close to her? her eyes on his, Gabrielle, sweet, deadly Gabrielle. Joshua reached out and pressed the button next to the buzzer, and upstairs, the door unlocked. Can't get enough of my buttery, silky voice. Head over to iTunes and search for Paul Guyett so you can check out the audio version of Philip Tucker's The Grind Show, the frenetic demon-hunting romp that critics have described as Neil Gaiman being dragged through the desert by Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, as well as Digressive Obscenity, a new podcast that's been nominated for the 2013 Geeky Awards. Put me in all your ears.